playoffs time here in Houston. This is Houston Sports Radio, episode number seven on January 5th, 2017. I am James Caldwell, back from Christmas break. Things are heating up again here in Houston sports with the NFL playoffs starting on Saturday. The Houston Rockets are in a roll. Texas Longhorns football staff is complete. We've got a lot to get to here on a Thursday night. Fresh off of the Houston Rockets winning a two-point game over the Oklahoma City Thunder. The game aired on TNT nationally. Rockets are on a roll. We will get to them in the second half of our show. First up, let's talk about the Texans. Texans, when we last left you, they were trying to win the AFC South. They completed that on Christmas Eve, beating the Bengals. I guess you could say they kind of beat the Bengals, more like the Bengals lost. Thanks to our good friend Randy Bullock, who played for the Texans a couple years ago, and missed a game-winning field goal that gave the Texans the division with a grand total of 12 points in the game for the Texans. So, the quarterback situation. And this is going to be the big story, of course, on Saturday when the Texans open the playoffs. It seems like every time the Texans are in the playoffs, they open on that first Saturday game time slot. We know how well that went last year when... The very first play of the playoffs was the Kansas City Chiefs returning the opening kickoff for a touchdown. So as long as as long as long the Raiders don't return the opening kickoff for a touchdown on Saturday, things will feel a lot better than last year. But I don't know if the quarterback situation's much better. Brian Hoyer was the quarterback of doom last year. He was cut, never to be seen from again, until the very first week of this season when he was on the bench for the Chicago Bears and, and almost got into the game. So, instead of Brian Hoyer, it's Brock Osweiler. Osweiler has been named the starter on Saturday against the Raiders at home at NRG Stadium. It will not be Tom Savage. Savage suffered a concussion in the regular season finale on Sunday against the Titans. So, Savage will, I guess, be cleared to be the backup. But they might have to use a third roster spot on Brandon Whedon, the backup backup quarterback. But this is... This is Brock Osweiler's show on Saturday. And I I don't know what to expect. I really have no idea. Uh, You know, the Raiders are a good defense. And we've already faced the Raiders once this season. The Mexico City screw job with the awful officiating that essentially gave the game the Raiders. So now the Raiders come to Houston for a rematch with much higher stakes. And... Is Osweiler ready for this playoff spot? The $72 million man who... There are a lot of jobs on the line on Saturday. You know, Bill O'Brien's job is probably on the line. Even though he's won two out of three divisions. Rick Smith's job should be on the line. Um, because the, the track record is not there as of late. And Brock Osweiler, I know he's guaranteed a lot of money through next year. So you figure that even if he has an awful game, he'll be the quarterback next year. But he's got to show something. And, and yeah, he showed something at the end of the game against the Titans. Uh, there was nothing on the line. I mean, there, there literally was nothing on the line. Titans couldn't win the division. Texans could not improve their playoff positioning. The game was just to give Tom Savage some extra reps to get him ready for the first round of the playoffs. And Savage got injured. Osar came in. Basically, when you know nothing was really happening and nothing was on the line, and he played well, 
he still had that, you know, that one step forward, two step back kind of a feel. You know, oh, what a good pass to Hopkins. And then he completely overshoots the next guy. And then he's wide right on the next guy. And you're staring there on a third and ten. You know, it just seems like a whole season, the pattern has been incomplete pass on first down, short yardage run on second down, third and six, third and seven, third and eight. And it's a 50-50 shot. Either Osweiler is going to throw the ball out of bounds, like way over Hopkins' head, or he'll find a tight end over the middle and complete the pass and get 10 yards to get the first down. I mean, I have watched every single play of the season, and every drive is the exact same pattern. You know, the play calling is so predictable. So now you're looking at Osweiler against a team he's already played this year, and the Raiders, how is he going to do in the playoffs? And if he has that first bad pass, if he throws an interception in the first quarter, and the crowd gets restless. I mean, the reason why there's so much emphasis on this particular playoffs run is because the Super Bowl is here in Houston this year. And no team has ever played the Super Bowl in their home stadium, ever, in 50 years of the uh, of the Super Bowl. And that's why there's so much pressure on this season. And uh, is Oswald ready for the pressure? I don't know. But the good thing is that we're playing the Raiders, who do not have Derek Carr, who do not have Matt McGloin, who are starting Connor Cook, who has never started an NFL game before. His last start, as they showed on SportsCenter this week, <laughs> was... <laughs> the uh, the awful Michigan State playoff game against Alabama last year. And that was more about Alabama's defense than anything else, but you know that was the last major starting spot for Connor Cook, and now he's coming into the playoffs here. If Osweiler cannot beat Connor Cook, I don't know what to tell you. I, I just don't think it's going to work out. The Texans are the number one defense in the NFL. Without this defense, you're looking at probably a 5-11, maybe a 6-10 season. Uh, because the offense was so inept for so long this year. Uh, Lamar Miller will be back as a running back on Saturday, so that's really going to help a lot to kind of take some of the pressure off of Osweiler after Miller missed two games. So he's got to win this game, and the Raiders have Connor Cook. The defense should dominate this game. Now, the defense dominated the game against the Bengals uh, in the, uh, the Christmas Eve game, but they had they gave up that one bad play. And that's also what cost the Texans against the Raiders in Mexico City. Uh, setting aside the officiating, which was horrendous, the defense gave up an 80-yard touchdown pass to a fullback, or 75-yard, whatever it was, or the first play of the drive. Uh, so they, they can't have this, these lapses like against the Bengals, where one play almost cost you the division, and, and one play cost you a fourth quarter against the Raiders. The defense has to dominate, be sound, and get get turnovers. They've got to create turnovers. They've got to give Brock a short field. The, the Texans have struggled all season long to move the ball. You know, they, they, there's no kick return. We have, we have no kick return. Most of the time, it's a touchback. But when we do have a return, there's very little kick return. And, and so we're basically starting every drive on about the 20 or 25-yard line. And it just seemed like it takes so long to move the ball down the field. There are no explosive plays. I think Osweiler is the lowest rated deep ball thrower in the NFL this year. So it just seems like it takes like just eight first downs to even get into the red zone sometimes. 
So the defense has got to create some turnovers. Create a, create a sack. Create a short field for the offense. Get a punt return. Um, you know, Clowney's got to deliver some chaos. Help out Osweiler. You, 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 they've got to help him. Because he's just not capable of consistently moving the ball down the field for two or three or four touchdowns in a game. He hasn't shown it this year. But let's say the Texans do win this game against the Raiders. I don't want to look ahead too much, but if you look at the path to the Super Bowl here in Houston, what do the Texans have to do? Well, they got to be the Raiders on Saturday. This is topic number two here on the big board. And then you're likely looking at a trip to New England. Now, the only way to avoid that is if Miami somehow upsets Pittsburgh and Pittsburgh this weekend. And then Miami would be the lowest remaining seed. And Miami would then go to New England. And the Texans would go to Kansas City, which is interesting. It might depend on what time of day that game is. If it's a night game, that will probably not go very well for the Texans. If it's a day game, maybe it's less hostile up there at Arrowhead Stadium in Kansas City. But that's a revenge game after last year when Kansas City walked into NRG and shut out the Texans 30 to nothing. Will they be able to exact revenge if they able or if they're able to go to Kansas City? I present this scenario because I, I just I don't see any way they can go to New England and win against Tom Brady. Unless Osweiler has the game of his life if the defense creates Turnover after turnover, if there's some sort of major break in the game for the Texans, I, I, ju- I just don't see it. We have not played well at all there in years. And we had our shot against the uh, the Patriots week three with a backup, backup quarterback, does that sound familiar, and got shut out <laughs> uh, when Jacoby Brissett shut out the, uh, the Texans. It was basically the defense of the New England shut out the Texans, but... The, the Texans' defense didn't really do much at all to rattle a backup backup quarterback. So, what makes we what makes us think they're going to beat the beat the Patriots with Tom Brady in the playoffs? You're looking at the best case scenario is probably going to Kansas City, and then if you beat Kansas City, you're probably still going to have to go play the Patriots in the AFC Championship game because the Patriots would play the the Dolphins. And if the, unless the Dolphins pulled off an amazing upset against their division rival, you're looking at a trip to New England regardless. But if New England lost to, to Miami, all of a sudden Miami's coming to Houston to play the Texans in the AFC Championship game. I mean, crazier things have happened here. But the, the chances of the Texans making it to the Super Bowl here in Houston this year, they're not good. But... Who knows what's going to happen with all these backup quarterbacks and these veterans? And well, I mean, you, you've got the number one seed in the in the NFC, the Cowboys, with a rookie quarterback and a rookie running back. How's that going to play out? Are they going to make it down here to Houston for the Super Bowl, or will Seattle rise up, or the Giants, or the Packers? All of a sudden, the AFC—I'm sorry, the NFC—is loaded. Packers are on a roll. The Giants can can't be stopped. You always got the Seahawks, who have played two of the last three Super Bowls. And then there's Dallas. I, I think there's a lot more drama in the NFC this, this round of the playoffs. Or th- I should say this season of the playoffs. Honestly, it, it feels like it's either the Patriots or the Steelers who are going to come out of the AFC. I hope it's the Texans. I want, I desperately want the Texans here in Houston playing in the Super Bowl. You know, and I think it's what fans of, of the Texans are 
are desiring too and why there's such a desperation to find the quarterback who can actually get this team to at least an AFC championship game. But it starts on Saturday. Brock Osweiler, hopefully Savage is available if needed. And then Brandon Whedon is your you know break glass in case of emergency person. Raiders-Texans, 3.30 on Saturday. We'll talk all about it on next week's Houston Sports Radio. After this quick break, we'll talk Rockets. Boy, when the Rockets are hot right now. Let's talk about James Harden and the Rockets right after this message. All right, we're back here on Houston Sports Radio. It's a Thursday night. It's January 5th. I'm James Caldwell. And let's talk about some Rockets basketball here, topic number three on the big board. The Rockets are rolling right now. They've won 17 of 19. They're currently in third place in the Western Conference with a 28-9 and record. They won six in a row, eight out of the last ten. Like we said, 17 out of 19. The only two losses over the stretch being a blown fourth quarter lead at home against the Spurs and a close fourth quarter loss on the road at Memphis. The latest game here Thursday night just wrapped up at Toyota Center. Rockets with a two-point dramatic win over the Thunder. Boy, that was a close fourth quarter. Uh, Russell Westbrook went nuts. James Harden almost hit a triple-double. This team is so good. You know, the Rockets are just playing great basketball. They just had a big comeback win against the Wizards on Tuesday night at Toyota Center. A rough first half. It seemed like just nothing went right for the Rockets in the first half. Down by 12 at halftime, but ended up winning pretty big on, on Tuesday night. The big flip. In the third quarter, and then a and then a closeout in the fourth quarter, you know, again similar situation against the, the Thunder. They've played twice already this year, now three times, and just just really tight, very close finishes. I mean, if the Rockets and Thunder end up in the playoffs, there's going to be some there's going to be some very close games throughout that series. You know, we'll see where both teams end up in the standings at the end of the season. But Rockets and Thunder play extremely close. The Russell Westbrook show against the James Harden and company show. It's a really epic basketball. Both are obviously top MVP candidates. Uh, but James Harden is just playing. He just seems, just looking at him, he just seems so calm and in control of the situation. Last year, he seemed erratic. You had the drama with Dwight Howard that really affected the team and the team's chemistry. This year, everyone just knows their role. You know, Harden's leading the charge. Eric Gordon is dropping threes. Ariza is playing great perimeter basketball. Patrick Beverly's that. That bulldog defender that you need, he was back in the lineup tonight. You got Nene and, and, and Montres Harrell in the post. You've got Anderson on the wing, and you just got you got a complete team. This is a complete basketball team in the modern era NBA, where you have to have perimeter shooting, at least one or two competent big men down low to protect the basket, and, and have some guys that can step out and hit a three pointer, stretch the defense, you know, the stretch four, if you will. And the Rockets have all the pieces. The question is, can they sustain this? And can they challenge the Warriors and the Spurs in the Western Conference? I think the breakthrough moment of the season was when the Rockets went to Golden State. We talked about this earlier on Houston Sports Radio, one of the very first episodes we did. The Rockets went to Golden State, went to California, went to Oakland, and won in double overtime. An amazing victory that really set the tone. that This is a different team. This is not the team of last year that got blown out by the Warriors routinely. This is a much better team, foundationally sound. Coach D'Antoni has led a great turnaround from last year. 
and, and really, really put a stamp on a great basketball team. So I look forward to seeing more of the Rockets play. Uh, let's check out their upcoming schedule here. They go to Toronto on Sunday. Oh, that's that's going to be a tough matchup. Uh, and then they're, they're back home against Charlotte on Tuesday, and then a road game, road trip to Minnesota, back home for Memphis. So that's next week's schedule. You're probably not going to win all those games. If you can steal one in Toronto to get a little bit of revenge, since Toronto came to Houston and beat us a couple weeks ago, if you go up there and steal a win against one of the top Eastern Conference teams, that would be really nice. And you come home and play Charlotte. Charlotte's on the rise. The Hornets have looked pretty good this season. A little bit inconsistent, but they're they're a decent Eastern Conference team. And then you'll get a trip to Minnesota. Quick road trip. Already beat them in Minnesota last year, as in 2016. And then back home for Memphis to wrap up the week. So, I mean, you'd like to at least get three out of four. Two and two, two out of four. It's okay. You hope you can get three out of four, though. Four out of four would be awesome, obviously. But realistically, three out of four, take one of those road games, win both your home games at least. You, you should be in a pretty good position going into the middle of January, right before the All-Star break, and, and have a really nice month before that break. So Rockets are playing great. And now for topic number four here on the big board, we've got to go back to New Year's Eve. Can we look closely at James Harden's line against the New York Knicks? 53 points. 9 of 16 on 3-pointers, 16 rebounds, and 17 assists. That is one of the best stat lines I've ever seen. Now, I know it's modern NBA where things seem a bit inflated. Nobody plays a lot of defense. In this case, the Knicks were shorthanded. And you could probably tell they were thinking about New Year's Eve and, and wanting to be somewhere else besides the NBA court. But it was actually a close game, and so therefore Harden had to play a lot of the game. It was surprisingly a close game. You know, you, you go back to you know Kobe Bryant when he had 81 points against Toronto, when Toronto was a really bad team, and the reason why Kobe was able to get that many points is because it was actually a close game, and he had to stay in the game. And the Raptors were such a bad team on defense that he could just get whatever he wanted that night. But the Raptors kept sc- scoring on their end, so the game remained tight. Kobe stayed in the game, and he got 81 points. And you think about how many other games Kobe could have had 80 plus, or 90 points, or even maybe 100, if the games were closer. But he sat out so many fourth quarters during his peak because Lakers just blew out teams, and he had a rest for you know the 82 game schedule and the playoffs. You know the modern equivalent of you know Seth Curry. I mean, I'm sure Curry could put up 70 in a game if he just went off on threes one night. Uh, but usually he sits out the fourth quarter because the Warriors blow teams out. So, you know, he's resting and the game's not close. You know, New Year's Eve against the Knicks, this is a close game. Harden had to stay in the game. And the Knicks' defense was so bad, but they were scoring on the other end. And Harden, that's, again, 53 points, 16 rebounds, 17 assists. It's mind-blowing, those kind of stats. Soak it in. I mean, this is a, this is a special season for the Rockets, special season for James Harden. Playing the point guard, distributing the ball. The ball is in his hands at all time, and he's making great decisions. You know, you'll, you'll get a six turnovers, or some nights eight turnovers, and on a good night three. You know, because he's taking chances and he's trying to involve everybody, and he's, you know, you know a little bit of show time once in a while. But there's a lot more good than bad when it comes to Harden in the point guard position, and and this has been great for the Rockets. And we'll see how the uh, the next couple games go until our next uh, Houston Sports Radio podcast. 
After this quick break, we'll talk Longhorns football. The staff is complete under Tom Herman. We'll break it down and discuss right over this timeout. All right, we're back here on Houston Sports Radio. It's Thursday night, January 5th. I am James Caldwell. And topic number five here on the big board, the Texas Longhorns football staff is complete. Is this Ohio State South? You got Tom Herman. You got new offensive coordinator Tim Beck, who was the co-offensive coordinator just a couple days ago when Ohio State was shut out by Clemson in the college football playoff semifinals. Hopefully this is a fresh start for Beck working with Herman again. As it's not exactly a great it's not exactly a great timing for Tim Beck to go from and he wasn't calling plays at Ohio State, but he was part of the staff that produced zero points in a playoff game when you had a month to prepare for the other team. I don't know, maybe he was already out the door and, and felt uh like he was just, you know, ready to come down to Austin and work with Herman, but you know, that's not really very good. Not a good resume builder before coming down here to Austin. And then you've got a couple other staff members in place that Herman knew from his time in Ohio State. And he had had a very lengthy press conference on Thursday, uh, meeting with the media up there in Austin. A 45-minute news conference talking about what it's going to take for Texas to return to where they were seven years ago when they were in the national championship game against Alabama. I mean, you you put them on a chart. You know, Alabama was on the way up. Texas had been at that level. And after the you know national championship game against USC, and then a little bit of dip during the Colt McCoy early years, and then back up again for the national championship game against Alabama. And then it just, I mean, complete opposite on, on the scale. Alabama shot off to the team they are now, and Texas is just... Falling off, you know, Mac Brown retires, Charlie Strong comes in for three years and can't turn it around. And uh, Tom Herman has come in and said what I think a lot of people do not want to hear, which is that Texas is behind and cannot compete with Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, teams like that that are now consistently in the top four every year. I think we don't want to hear that because Texas is the number one merchandise seller, arguably the number one brand in all of college sports, and yet... Apparently, the facilities are just way behind the the upper echelon. I don't think that we want to hear that because the perception, right or wrong, is that Texas has all this money to spend. It's kind of what will happen to Oregon. You know, Oregon was the trendy school. They had the facilities, they had the uniforms, they had the brand, they had the offense. You know, they had all that stuff. And then everybody caught up to them. And then it's like, okay, well, what else can Oregon do to separate themselves? So they've got to go back to the drawing board and figure that out. Texas had the facilities before anybody else. They had the giant scoreboard before anybody else. Now people have caught up. And Texas has kind of fallen back to the pack. So, yeah, you might, you might have to have to redo the, you know, with basketball, you've got to redo the basketball facility for Shaka Smart's team. For football, I think Herman wants to redo the the weight room and some of the other facilities. And they obviously need to do something about the scoreboard end zone or the you know, the entrance tunnel where the players run out on the field. The temporary seats have been there permanently for several seasons now. 
and it's about time they do something with that, that end zone. And maybe it is creating a, a giant sports complex that, that's kind of attached to the end zone. And Herman's the guy to bring that about, it sounds like. You know, there's going to be some changes eventually. It might take some time, but if Texas wants to get back to where Texas wants to be and where we fans want Texas football to be, I guess it's time for us to look in the mirror and say, what can we do to fix it? Because what's happening is not cutting it. Now, obviously, players play and coaches code, but there is an arms race, and Texas can't get lax. You know, having an interim AD has not helped. You know, Patterson was run off after a year and a half, and Mike Perrin has come in and done a great job, but there still seems to be that interim label on his on his title. So he either needs to be permanent or they've got to find a permanent AD to help make some of these big decisions like where Texas' new basketball facility is going to be and new arena is going to be and, and what upgrades to approve for the football team. And until all this happens, Texas is going to fall behind. And now obviously Herman can make up for that by coaching a great team like he did at Houston while waiting for the facilities to be built. You know, Houston has a lot of great facilities on the way, thanks to Herman. Uh, and he was able to kind of bridge the gap by coaching a great team. So he's going to have to do the same thing at Texas while waiting for the upgrades to come. That will make Texas more competitive to recruits and get this team back up where everyone wants it to be, which is at that level where Alabama is right now. So, I mean, I have not watched the entire 45-minute news conference from today yet. I'll break that down more in depth on the next podcast and see what Herman had to say and get my reaction out there. We'll also talk, obviously, on the next podcast about the Texans. We'll review the Rockets and see how their latest games have gone and see what else is happening in the world of sports here in Houston and the greater Texas region. Thanks, everybody, for listening to us here on Blog Talk Radio or iTunes. We're at blogtalkradio.com slash Houston Talk. You can download us on iTunes, grab the RSS feed, just type in Houston Sports Radio to get access to that on iTunes and put that on your device. Be sure to bookmark us, and a big thanks to PodcastThemes.com, the official podcast provider of the music you hear here on Houston Sports Radio. This is James Caldwell signing off, and I'll talk to you next time on Houston Sports Radio.